You're listening to sermons from St. Macarios the Great, Orthodox Mission in Hyde Park. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory be to The Gospel of Matthew can conveniently be summarized or perhaps we should say categorized by two ideas. Jesus speaks and Jesus acts. Or perhaps better yet, we could say there is one idea, the speech acts of Christ, but we can leave the unity of these two to the side for the moment. In Matthew's Gospel, Everything is organized around these two ideas, the teachings of Christ and the work of Christ. And one way you can see that organizing principle is if you sit down and read the Gospel of Matthew from beginning to end, you'll sort of notice that the narrative moves back and forth between the actions of Christ and the words of Christ. There's a sort of seesaw motion back and forth, and these are two features of the gospel. Jesus teaches by word and by action. And I tell you that this morning because it's important to understand the context for the gospel we heard this morning. As you may recall, these last two Sundays, we've been hearing from the Sermon on the Mount. We've had two two texts taken from Christ's great teaching in the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, the first of the great teachings of Jesus by word. And at the conclusion of that sermon, what do we hear? You know, what is the, what is the response? What is the reaction of the crowd? You know, is Jesus a good preacher? You know, what we hear is the crowd says that they marveled, for Jesus taught them as one having authority. So that's the immediate context right before this story we have. Jesus has taught as one having authority. And having completed this spoken word, we should expect then to see some truth in the actions of Christ. And that's exactly what I want to propose we find this morning. For the gospel we heard of this healing of the centurion's servant is one of ten stories Ten stories that immediately follow after the Sermon on the Mount. In that sermon, Jesus spoke with authority, and now in these ten miracle stories, Jesus will act with authority. And since we're on this theme, therefore, of authority, I want to focus this morning specifically on one unique feature of this gospel. I want to examine what the centurion said to Jesus. So we know the story as we just heard it. The centurion comes to Jesus because his servant is greatly ill. And he asks Christ only to say the word, trusting by faith that the servant would be healed. 
And then we find this unique feature of this story. The next thing the centurion says is tell what can only be described as almost a parable. He draws on his own life experience to make a comparison with the situation at hand. This, of course, is very similar to what Christ is doing when he tells parables drawn from everyday life to make comparisons with the kingdom of God or other things. So what is this parable of the centurion? He says that authority is bound up with three aspects. The first of these is the word spoken. He says, I say to one servant or one soldier, go, to another, come, to one, do this, and another, do that. The word is spoken. But of course, there is a second component of authority that is presumed by that spoken word. It's not spelled out explicitly in the text, but of course, the word that is spoken must be heard. A word spoken to no one is ineffectual and empty. So for a word to have authority, it must be heard by those who are under that authority. And then the third aspect of this authority is that the word is obeyed. This is perhaps the most important because it brings to culmination that authority. The centurion says to one, go, and that person goes. Come, and they come. Do this, and it is done. So the centurion is showing by his almost parable the nature of this authority that our Lord has taught with in the Sermon on the Mount and that he acts with in these miracle stories. And why is this important? If we want to say that Christ speaks and acts with authority, we should know what that authority entails. When he speaks, Christ expects to be heard and to be obeyed. That's why Christ tells us, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Or St. Paul will tell us in the epistle to the Romans that it's not the hearers of the word, but the doers of the word who are justified. Or again, from the words of Christ at the climax of the Sermon on the Mount, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. I've been thinking about this gospel this week because we are approaching the one-year anniversary of 
our family coming to St. Macarius. And incidentally, as it turned out, this text, this gospel was the final sermon I preached at St. John of the Ladder Orthodox Church in Greenville, South Carolina. And at the time, I thought long and hard, what will I say? What will my last word to this community be? What would I say to them? And I want to share with you two things that I did say. Two last words. And the first is the point that I've already made. To be doers of the word, not merely hearers. Be doers of the word. Following Christ is not merely about giving verbal assent, but rather the conversion of our hearts impacts our whole lives. It's not, Christianity is not merely an ideology that we think about, but a faith to be lived. So be doers of the word. But what is that word? What is that command? How might we summarize it? It was ironic, or maybe it was providential, I suppose I should say, that when I was ordained as a deacon at St. John, if you recall the diaconal ordination service, one of the things they do is they give you a bowl of water and they tell you to hold it. It's a bowl of water that the bishop will use to wash his hands at one point of the liturgy. But they give you this bowl of water and a pitcher, and they place you in front of the icon of Christ, and they say, stand there, and try not to faint. And I've seen that happen before. And you hold this bowl of water, and it's not so bad at first, and then it starts to get heavy, and your arms get turning to jelly, and you're holding it there. And so I can recall when this happened, I was standing in front of the icon of Christ and I'm trying not to focus on how my arms are starting to hurt. And I was staring at the icon and it just so happens that on that icon was written this word of Christ. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you. So what is the command of Christ? What is it that he says to us when he says to be doers of the word? The command is nothing else but love. Love one another, says Christ, even as I have loved you, as his love precedes our own as his love precedes the very foundations of the universe. For creation was called forth into being out of love. For our salvation was wrought in love. So also he says to love one another. And this is of course also how Christ summarizes the entire law and the prophets when he says, 
The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. All the law, the whole of the gospel, in that simple phrase, love one another. I'll close with a quote from St. Maria of Paris. Or actually, I'll paraphrase it because I don't actually have it written down. I've gone a little bit off notes. She said, No formulation can surpass these words. Love one another. As long as it is love to the end and without limits. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Yeah.